Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, welcome to the Blue and White Brothers. This is a first for us. We're doing a midweek podcast uh, looking ahead at the upcoming game. Penn State is playing Nebraska this Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, They'll be on Fox Sports 1 and we're going to break down the game for you, uh, try to give you a little bit of sense of what we're expecting um, look at the matchup history, their season so far, um, some of uh, what Nebraska's been up to this season, what we expect to see from them, as well as some of the keys to the game. Uh, before we do that, I um, want to share a couple of news and updates from the team, as well as... The Blue and White Brothers team? The Blue and White Brothers team has some updates, too. Yeah, our team. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Tom, why don't you tell them uh, our team's update for the week? We have two updates... Um, one is we have crested the Ooh, we've uh, peaked. We peaked. <laughs> no, not so, we haven't peaked, but we've <laughs> no. crested hit a over, new peak. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we've crested over the one thousand downloads mark, which means we have you to thank, Mom. Thanks, Dad. And yeah, for uh, all, <laughs> sitting there downloading episode <laughs> after episode, really inflating our numbers. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, of course, thank our sister Laura. She's definitely been downloading too. So uh, yes, got, got uh, a, a quick, wide enough, variety my, of listenership here. My wife Eileen, I think, has listened to two episodes, so it shows you how committed. She she is. Oh my gosh! A uh, second two? bit of news. Second bit of news is today uh, we're recording on Veterans Day, November 11th, and I want to say Happy Be- Veterans Day to my favorite veteran, Tom Gathman of the Blue and White Brothers. Tom, thank you for your service, man. Uh, yeah, and it was the Marine Corps birthday yesterday. You know? Yes, it was. So, so uh, never forget, for five, my friend. Never forget that the day before Veterans Day is always the Marine Corps birthday. How and could did I you forget? Know, did you when know you don't, that the let don't interrupt me. Forget. Don't don't it's Veterans Day. Don't interrupt me. So <laughs> 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 So did you know that the Marine Corps is older than the United States itself? I I want to say I knew that, but I might be lying. <laughs> Tun Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, nine uh, 19, 1775. <laughs> that old. Trust me, bro. <laughs> that was yeah, a 1775, good November November 10th. So yeah, uh, been a lot, a lot of good stuff going on here in in the veteran bela- belated Marine Corps birthday and veteran Happy Veterans Day to me. I've been getting a lot of uh, people, um, you know, messaging me and all that kind of stuff, and that, that's deep, deeply appreciated. So, um, and we want to wish all of our uh, listeners and anyone in um, their families, if they've served, we want to say Happy Veterans Day to them as well. So, thank you for serving uh, t- uh, to everybody out there. Yeah, thank you all uh, for your service and also. Um, if you haven't served, um, or even if you have, just be, be sure to uh, to thank a veteran uh, for their service to our country. And uh, yeah, anyway, again, Tom, happy Veterans Day, and thank, thank you for your service, man. Yeah. So now for the actual Penn State news team, Penn State news team, the Penn State Penn team State. news. <laughs> I'm I'm stumbling over my words tonight for some reason. Well done. I've been rushing around this evening, so I I'm not quite screwed into my chair yet. So. <laughs> That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a personal problem. I'll yeah, let you, I'll let you work that out. Uh, yeah, so one of the things that the midweek uh, podcast is allowing us to do is to um, uh, look through the um, 
Tuesday press conference. And um, one thing that caught our eye in particular was from James Franklin. And uh, if you listen to our uh, earlier podcast, you know that we were speculating on maybe what was going on with uh, James Franklin and why his energy was perhaps lower. And he confirmed what uh, one of our main suspicions was that um, the distance from his family this season has taken a big toll on him. And he admitted in the press conference that he probably hadn't done a very good job of managing that for himself and had recognized that it was affecting things. He, he talked about that he really hadn't shared that even with his wife and kids. He didn't want them to feel uh, any undue sense of burden about how that was affecting him. He re- hadn't really shared it with the the team uh, or his fellow coaches. And so he talked about sort of being honest with himself about that and starting to talk with his family and the team about that. So I thought that was very revealing, Tom. Yeah. Um, So, you know, interestingly, you know, I've got a friend um, that coaches uh, big Big Ten field hockey. She was a a Big Ten field hockey player at Iowa. She went on to play uh, professional field hockey, uh, uh, over overseas. And, uh, I think she was in, uh, maybe Ireland and I, I might have that wrong, but it was somewhere in, in Europe or in the UK. And, uh, so she's been dedicating, you know, the majority of her life to being very good at field hockey. And now she, she's coached at, I think, you know, UNC she's coached, uh, I think she coached at Temple and now she's back at her alma mater, uh, at Iowa and they just won the big 10 last year. And she's, she's still coaching with them. Um, and, and it's, uh, you know, she reached out to me uh, because her her brother is a Michigan fan, and she went to Iowa, and and they they basically hate Penn State. <laughs> you know, and they if Penn State ever loses, they they rag on on you know us, and uh, and it's it's for fun, you know. But it's 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 a legit rivalry type of of fun too, though. But but it, the conversation she reached out to me uh, the other day, she's like, "Hey, how's the you know how's the podcast going you know knowing that we're on three how great our yeah yeah and i and i just you know the conversation kind of got into you know what what you know i was like hey so you know franklin's got to be dealing with a lot you know during all this um uncertainty with covid and is there going to be a season and all that kind of stuff and here she is at another big 10 school coaching and i just we just kind of like the conversation turned to like what what her thoughts were on what even you know a team uh, at Iowa is dealing with a, a female field hockey team, and uh, she basically was like, uh, "Fans need to understand." This is you know I'm I'm going to be paraphrasing a little bit, but I'm also going to be reading d- directly from some of our text messages. And um, she says, "Fans need to understand as well what the student athletes and coaches are going through from a mental health perspective." This pandemic has thrown lives, uh, uh, the enti- entire world, I'm sorry, pe- this pandemic has thrown their entire world through a crazy experience. And the foundation right now as athletics is totally upside down with testing, protocols, new rules that had been put into place to keep athletes from contracting the virus. And the new rules are basically, you cannot socialize, which as an 18 to 22 year old is totally insane. Plus, you know, <laughs> they have them continuing to train and they have to pretend that everything is normal, but it really isn't. And it is, it really weighs on the students. And as the coaches are their rocks, it, they have to take the brunt of, of, of all that, like, you know, deal helping to, to channel the, the, the student athletes, um, anxieties and frustrations and mental, um, 
issues, they come to them and then, and it's like, well, they're people too. So, you know, I, the conversation, you know, was very enlightening for me to hear her speak on that. And it doesn't matter that James Franklin, you know, makes $5.7 million. It doesn't matter how much he's making. That doesn't make it any more or less difficult to be managing what is happening, you know, as a coach for these students uh, during these trying times. Yeah, it, yeah, just, it doesn't it, change the the uh, solutions or how hard those solutions might be to come by. And it doesn't do much to, like, change, you know, the challenges that your student athletes are facing. I, I really, to me, I resonate with that sense of, like, the mental health concerns and, and how, how that has the opportunity to, to, uh, to really just wreak havoc uh, among, a, you know, a community, among a team. And uh, certainly I, I can only imagine that as, as a, the, in that leader position, um, it's probably weighing on her. And, in, you know, I imagine it's also weighing on uh, Coach Franklin. And then you add to that, of course, as he was sharing in the press conference on Tuesday, the, um, you know, the challenge of just being so separate, se- separated from his family. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing he he said in the press conference and a number of times just talking about sort of decision-making and, and, you know, fans taking umbrage with, you know, not pulling Clifford or not doing this or not doing that. And he says, look, we're trying to lead with love. And I, just, I, I mean, again, however you want to evaluate that approach as a strategic coaching decision, it says a lot about Franklin as a person. And you again, putting two and two together, you add the fact that like his rock, uh, you know, of of his his wife and his daughters have been separated from him for so long. That, you know, I, I mean, no doubt that is a challenging thing. So, you know, I don't think I don't want to uh, belabor it too much, but I, I just thought that was a really interesting update, and I, I want to encourage our our fans out there, uh, as Tom and I are going to try to remind ourselves when we're you know, <laughs> trying to hold our stuff together, watching the game and things are falling apart that, you know, these are people that have real lives and real challenges and, and, and to have some compassion as we're, as we're thinking about the situation. Um, so the other big thing that uh, came out this week, um, again, that we can talk about because um, of the midweek is that the, the new death chart came out and really, uh, I say new, but there wasn't much new in there, was there, Tom? Uh, not a ton, not really. Uh, you, you kind of only... I, I don't think there was any real shakeups. Um, just just a couple of uh, uh, tiny. Th- one, one thing that I saw um, was that Curtis Jacobs is now solely um, he, he's not third team on multiple or third string on multiple um, linebacker positions. He's focused on just one, uh, the weak side linebacker position. True freshman Curtis Jacobs linebacker, and he got some um, action at that spot during yeah. this past game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing is, you know, fans might have been thinking, hmm, I wonder if Clifford's going to be down a notch from, you know, will he still be QB1? The answer is yes. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah, and there's no change there. And there, and there won't be, barring any unforeseen situations like injury or, I don't know, God forbid, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, I do think it's – we may talk a little bit about COVID, actually, in mm-hmm. just a moment. But um, the – the other thing that Franklin spent a little bit of time addressing was that decision to keep Clifford in when things were falling apart in the second half. And he just said, you know, I want my quarterbacks to know that I have confidence them in them as the first string quarterback. He doesn't want 
his quarterbacks looking over their shoulder. And, um, you know, he said, look, if I if I did put in a number two because number one wasn't doing well, how's what's number two going to think the moment they have an incomplete pass or a, right. a bad play? And interestingly enough, uh, that's exactly what Nebraska's going through right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. They're but, going at it at a little bit of a different angle than, than Franklin is. Yeah, and I would say – it doesn't seem to have solved their problem by simply pulling their QB1 in favor of QB2 either, you know? We'll get into that. We will, but I, I just I thought it was revealing well, it's to, interesting. Hear, to hear Franklin say that he wants Clifford to know that, that, you know, he's got the team's confidence and he's got the coach's confidence. Yeah, and, and I, I think some uh, pundits or, or fans out there would be like, well, heck, you're, mo- you're shuffling the, the offensive line around – in the middle of the game, you, you can pull an offensive lineman. Why can't you pull Clifford? And it's like, well, an offensive lineman isn't the same thing as a quarterback. That's a unit that you're trying to find t- like cohesion, and that it's a yeah. very specific type of unit on a fo- on a football team that it you can't view it the same as a as a quarterback at all by any stretch of the imagination. It's just yeah, that, the offensive line is almost like one team. Uh, yeah, like a unit. It's like one player almost that you have to find the right combination because um, they have to be be so coordinated. So, you know, I know the fans are probably going to, you know, look at his last game's performance and 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 have a short fuse for, for mistakes coming up. That's certainly understandable. But and by the way, what do you do? I'm sorry to cut, cut back to this. What do you do when Will Levis can't get the ball to his receivers? Like, I'm sorry. Like you, you then you then you screwed the pooch. <laughs> then you're so stuck. Just, I mean, it doesn't. Yep. It's it's not. I we, and we don't. Thi- I don't know. You don't have a ton of conf. You as in the general you. You don't have a ton of confidence in Will Levis's ability to to you know from what little we've seen from him. I'm not sure he's quite ready for what Clifford has already had experience doing. Well, again, I do think that's a little speculative in terms of we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He did have some uh, – Franklin had some good things to say about Taquan Roberson, uh, said he's coming along nicely and things like that. So um, he did indicate that he feel, felt some sense of confidence in the folks that are behind Clifford, although you know, you can, it's easy to say that <laughs> when you don't uh, ever put the ball in their hands. But um, yeah, just uh, you know, I, you can expect to see Clifford barring injury or illness. I think um, going forward, and so let's you know, let's hope for the best for him. Uh, good news, he's he's got some uh, you know some good young receivers to to be thrown to in Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith. Both of them had some some decent games this past week. And uh, Tom, you also found that. Um, Jahan Dotson, in spite of Penn State's challenges, is actually the leading Big Ten receiver right now. Is that is that what I remember you saying? I mean, yeah, Andy. Jahan Dotson, if we were already impressed by some of the catches and plays that he's been making, uh, being basically one Unworldly, of, otherworldly. Yeah, well, well, he's basically the brightest spot on the team right now and in a, in a, on a team that's not showing a, a, a lot of stuff. He is definitely... The, the the gem that is shining through right now. And uh, yeah, he leads the Big Ten in um, uh, receiving yards and touchdown catches. He has, uh, I believe, um, a total of uh, 361 uh, yards right now uh, and five touchdowns. So he's averaging 17.2 yards per catch. He's got a long of 60 yards. And I, I mean, 
he's a he's a he's our stud right now. He's he's the one he's the one pulling us out of some of these jams, um, keeping us in some of these games, and and they've been <laughs> unbelievable catches. You know, I you got Chris Godwin, you got Allen Robinson, um, Mike Gesicki. I mean, KJ Hamler's made some crazy catches. Jawan Johnson's made some crazy catches. He's showing very quickly that he's up there in in those in that kind of conversation of of Penn State receiver. Yeah, he's got he's got skills, and let's hope he keeps rolling because uh, we need our, all the help we can get. Yeah, and then of course his um, his true freshman counterpart Parker Washington. He's he's doing pretty good too. He was um, I think he had eight catches for about seventy yards and two touchdowns. Uh, this past week, so yeah, I mean, there's there, this is there's some bright spots in this team, and and I think uh, we'll see some more players come out to play um, as the games go forward, uh, if the games continue to go forward. Well, let's um, hope so. Uh, one because more, one more that, uh, depth chart update. This is late. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this is late breaking. Oh yeah, recently, um, like in the last couple of minutes, we but, just saw. That. Um, you know, there's been some question about Journey Brown. Um, you know, he, he wasn't definitively ruled out. Uh, just seeing here on Sports Illustrated that um, he has ended his football career. Um, and um, he's he's been diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, thickening of the heart muscle. And um, apparently it's uh, the most common reason of sudden cardiac death in young people and athletes under the age of 35. So we finally know what Journey Brown is dealing with, and we know that he for sure won't be back with Penn State. Doesn't look like he'll be back playing football ever again. So we're really um, heartbroken for, for Journey Brown. Uh, we, we wish him well on, on the next stage of his journey, not to, uh, not to use a pun there, but um, you know what, whatever is next for him, we wish him well. And uh, yeah, we're sorry to see him go uh, definitively now. Yeah, he he released a statement on on his Twitter and Instagram that I'll I'll put in the sh- the show notes. But you know, to to sum it up, he basically said it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. And um, he said he's he's never he never expected to be where he is. You know, going into the season, being a, a p- potential first round draft pick, potential Heisman Trophy dark horse, um, one of the best running backs in the country, coming from you know I think it's Meadville up in Erie, PA. Um, region he he never expected to really become a big time uh division one power five running back uh you know coming out as a three star so i think he's tr- gonna find his own silver linings for for what he's accomplished so far which there are, there are many things he has accomplished and uh i think we can all cheer him on and hope hope for the best for him wish wish him the best and we're we're gonna be sad to you know never see him don the blue and white again and uh we'll uh we'll we hope maybe you know some of his teammates um will provide some of that uh emotional um support that i can only imagine a kid uh his age and his aspirations and abilities is, yeah, is maybe, going through maybe they'll come out and, and play for journey this week yeah, that, that, that'd that's be what, great that would be awesome that would be i think i that, we'd all love to see that yeah for sure um one last uh a little bit of uh, news unrelated to the depth chart. Um, just heard today that the previously scheduled game between Maryland and Ohio State is not going to be played this weekend. It is going to be canceled 
due to COVID. And that COVID outbreak is on the Maryland team that Penn State just played a week ago. I mean, there's no... There's no ruling out right now if if Maryland had it before Penn State or if Penn State's going to get it from Maryland because of our game. Yeah. They're having a little bit uh, of an outbreak down there. And I'm in a little too close to home uh, in my book right now. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows if by, you know, Saturday morning they, yeah. they have tests that they run Saturday morning on all these kids. Who knows I think if we need we to we'll have our game played. Cross our fingers and our toes and our our you know, beard hairs. hairs. <laughs> it's a, Across that, my eyes and my whiskers. That they, you know, that that, that doesn't um, reach Penn State. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have seen this before this season already, um, you know, where again, I think it was Memphis uh, was playing, I can't remember who now, but, um, you know, and then the one team was found to have had it going into the game and, and the other team had it coming out of the game. So, uh, you know, How you got that happen. <laughs> you got offensive linemen and defensive linemen. You know, basically huffing and puffing into each other's faces for three hours. Um, You're gonna spread it. It's not a good scenario in that. You know, in the you know, if someone has COVID. So, so hopefully, hey. Penn State dodges a bullet. But you know, we'll we'll wait and see. Well, listen. So. Why don't we get to the Nebraska let's, preview? Let's do it. Let's get to Nebraska. <laughs> let's get to the Nebraska preview before, before they cancel, they the, cancel game. the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, so, so uh, Nebraska, you know, for all of you Penn State fans, the longtime fans, you know Nebraska means something to Penn State football. It goes well beyond uh, or, or precedes, I should say, uh, Penn State's tenure in the Big Ten. And, of course, Nebraska is new to the Big Ten, but they're not new to Penn State. Um, so for, for the record, if Penn state, you know, this game goes forward and Penn state beats Nebraska, do you know what, what that would make the, the overall series like record? Do you know what it would be? I don't, but you, you tell me, Tom, we would even it up at nine to nine. Oh, we got to do it then. (laughs) Got to do it. We're on a one game win streak. We beat him back in 2017. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I would love to even up that. That series matchup for sure. You know what I would love to do? I would love to 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 see a repeat of the two thousand two game where we beat them forty to seven. When it, I would love know, to see that too. That yeah, was a good game. Frank Solich's the fight in Frank Solich's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome game. I was at that game. It it was it was one of the most to to date that season. You know, we were just coming out of some of the worst seasons we we had ever had as fans in our lives. Um, at, after 2000 and 2001 and 2002 was the Larry Johnson year. You know, we have, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Scott, we had Bryant Johnson, Tony Johnson, uh, Zach Mills, uh, uh, who was, uh, yeah, I forget some of the other players names regardless. A good team, a good year. We, yeah. We had, we had Michael Haynes. We had Jimmy Kennedy. We had, um, you know, Spice Adams. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it, we had a ton of first round and, and, uh, talent uh that year and a ton of draft picks coming out and we we weren't expected to do well in the game people were uh picking nebraska over us and i think nebraska was a top 10 maybe top five team when they came in and we put the hurt on them and it was richard the richard gardner interception for a touchdown was just incredible so one of my favorite games i've ever witnessed in in my life and um a lot of good games in that series you know sure uh, nebraska got the better 
has gotten the better of Penn State uh, uh, too many times in my mind. And obviously, nine games uh, apiece if we win this one. Uh, not a tremendously long series. It's sort of intermittent in the, you know, particularly in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you, you know, playing each other from time to time when Penn State was an independent. Um, but always, always a, a really big rivalry. Um, you know, I think that rivalry's dimmed somewhat of no late. No doubt. Um, especially with Nebraska not uh, not really uh, living up to the glory days themselves, um, like Penn State has the last few years, but um, nonetheless, a great opportunity for both of these teams to avoid an offer start. <laughs> well, it's, it's and it's interesting that that you know both these teams are winless. Right, like something's got to get. Something's got to give here. But you know, these two uh, organizations, these two ball clubs. They are ranked ninth and tenth, respectively, Nebraska and Penn State, of victories all time in college football. We, I mean, this is like uncharted territory for these two teams to be playing each other. You know, several weeks in, and no one's got a win under their belts. It's yeah. Just... So, so Penn State's zero uh, and three, as we all know. Um, Nebraska's zero and two. They missed a game because of the COVID. Um, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin yeah, COVID the co- bug, the COVID situation at Wisconsin, uh, which are is Wisconsin playing this week? Have we heard that? Uh, actually, I don't think they are. Wow! And and if they miss another game, they'll be disqualified from the. Disqual- well, I have a feeling that that is going to get amended. Yeah, they'll, they'll hedge that a little bit. I, they might have to. If Ohio State, uh-oh. Uh-oh. That, that, that game is <laughs> now can't. The Ohio State is now lo- not able to play a game, and they are not going to be able to make it up. You know, well, so. we're we're getting a little sidetracked here. So, um, <laughs> whatever. The, yeah, it's what we do. It is what we do. Um, so another little tidbit in terms of just the the overall matchup. Um, Franklin and Frost have a bit of a history. That's kind of a night. Nice look. Franklin and Frost. It's, Franklin and Frost. It's a it's a new podcast. <laughs> Come get your Franklins. Come get your Frosts. All right, so it's a it's a, uh, it's a little roadside stand. <laughs> you sell hot hot dogs and yeah. ice cream cones. And, we, and it's and it and this stand is directly halfway between Nebraska, between Lincoln and State College. Perfect. And the, the coaches meet, uh, you know, in Once the off season. Yeah, in the off season. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the the proceeds go to a good cause. I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, so okay, yeah, they they were they overlapped for one season, um, I believe when for the, uh, James Franklin was the offensive coordinator for Ron. I think it was Ron Price was the head coach's name. I believe at, at Kansas State, right? Yeah, Kansas State, and uh, uh, Frost was a graduate uh, assistant at the time. So figuring for he was <laughs> Frost was figuring it out from a coaching perspective. And Franklin was still getting his, you know, getting his chops in as a as a play caller. Pretty um, crazy. Interestingly, the second week in a row that um, uh, Franklin's going to be going going up against a former um, uh, teammate, coaching mate. Um, last week, uh, you know, he he played uh, against um, Loxley. Uh, first name, first name. <laughs> anyway, Mike Loxley. <laughs> I couldn't remember it. Mike Loxley. Uh, it's like a Loxley. Um, wow. But they were at Maryland. Robin, for... Robin of Loxley. <laughs> Mike That's of Loxley. <laughs> um, anyway, Franklin uh, and Loxley coached together for a couple years at Maryland. Um, and and now he's, uh, you know, teaming up again or meeting up again with um, with Frost. So um, it'll be interesting to, to, I mean, I think it was long enough ago that they probably don't, 
you know, it's not going to make a big deal on the field uh, for either of them in terms of sentiment or strategy, but it's just a little tidbit. Yeah. Um, well, so, and, the, you know, both these coaches tried their darndest, by the way, speaking of COVID and COVID content, which we promised. We, we promised, promised COVID content. You're right. COVID content. And um, so both these coaches were very, <laughs> they, they did their best to try and make this season happen. And Nebraska was extremely outspoken. Yeah, I would and say, not just the coach. I would say Scott Frost was a little more over the top. I mean, Franklin was, I think, pretty... Um, uh, tactful, yeah. Frost and and the the administration. Pre- I think the president and they the were AD, rabid. They, they were like, we are going to play outside the Big Ten. We're going to leave the Big Ten. Like that kind of talk was being tossed around. Yeah, and even the, like, the sure. Wisconsin game after it was canceled, did like, let's go play. We would like to schedule Little Sisters of the Poor uh, yeah. to, as a makeup like middle, game. And the Big Ten was middle like, Tennessee. no slap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they were trying to schedule Middle Tennessee State or something like that, <clears> or I, Chattanooga. I was, it was some strange, you know, out of the way school in Tennessee. No offense to yeah. those places in Tennessee. Yeah, but. I, I, I kid. <laughs> yeah. So so, but yeah, he he was trying hard and and uh, definitely went about it a totally different way than Franklin. But you know, this is how much Nebraska, the yeah. whole state. That's how much football this team means to those people. You know. Yeah. Well, you kind of get what you ask for, I guess. And both teams have gotten to play, uh, but it wasn't the team the uh, the season they've been expecting so far. You know. You know, it's interesting because. Like football is our outlet. And, you know, in times like this, when, you know, we want to kind of just like avoid our normal societal, you know, jobs, whatever the heck it is, we, we want to like run to football to, to, to get away from it. But in this pandemic, nobody can get away from this pandemic. It's and inescapable. So, so what we as fans are just, you know, we, we, we want this game so bad. But these these players and these coaches are having to to navigate that while giving the fans what they want, and it's just it's such a weird dynamic. It is a that... weird dynamic, and <laughs> and I definitely think that uh, you know the the coaches and the team you know the, the team members themselves they're bearing the brunt of our desire for this for this outlet. And um, yeah. let's not. I hate let's that we have to forget. talk about it all the time. I know it's it, <laughs> it's probably getting old for everyone. It's like we get it, guys. We know what, yeah. you, what you think about but COVID, it's, but, but it's affecting all yeah, these games. I mean, it's affecting the, the whole sport, and and kids are getting it too. I it's mean, like we didn't talk about the Clemson Nebraska game last week, which you know I did not see that Clemson, win coming, Nebraska? and I watched it. Uh, sorry, Clemson, Clemson Notre Dame. Sorry, Clemson Notre Dame. Jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Good, good correction there. Uh, yeah, the Clemson Notre Dame game, um, which you know I did not see that uh, win coming like that. It was a great game for anyone who watched it. You know, whether or not you're a fan of either of those teams, it's a great football game. But let's not forget that Clemson was without Trevor Lawrence because of COVID. You know, yeah. and I, you know their backup quarterback um, w- was phenomenal for Clemson. So I don't know that that necessarily lost them the game. Um, you know, there was not a poor performance on the quarterback play for Clemson. Yeah, he did not lose them the game. That's No, sure. no. But still, it just, again, goes to show you, you know, number one versus number four. And um, yeah, they're, they're starting QB, you know, Mr. Sunshine, uh, <laughs> Number one draft pick projected. Mr. Sunshine. You know, like from... from oh, I know. Remember the I Titans, know. you know? Remember yeah. the, the quarterback. Sunshine. Sunshine. 
That's what I think of every time I see a Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think everybody does. Literally everybody. And of course, Lawrence was, you know, one of the biggest proponents of playing as well. And he got sidelined. Absolutely. So it's just everywhere. And so and was Justin Fields. And so was Ohio State. And here they are now being affected by it. Yeah. So anyway, it's everywhere. Yeah, um, everywhere. But again, like, better get, keep talking about Nebraska before the game gets canceled. Um, so, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so the last thing, uh, you know, just in terms of like overview for Nebraska this year is that they haven't won a game. Uh, the, the two games that they have played were both away games. So this will be Penn, Penn State coming into Nebraska will be Nebraska's first home game. Home game. Um, you know, again, no fans other than the, you know, the immediate family. Um, but, you know, again, an interesting dynamic going into um, – you know, I don't know what their their stadium is called, but go, going to their home field, uh, that'll be their first time. It's what November fourteenth on Saturday. First, first time home game is is the, like a, ten days before or two weeks before Thanksgiving. Yeah, so <laughs> crazy is that? Just an oddity, one more oddity, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle the lack of fans and the canned, you know fan noise and all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't sound seem like Penn State's handled that very well in their own park. Maybe that'll be better for Penn State to go somewhere else and not expect that. But we'll see. It's uh, it's just one uh, one more dynamic to, to take in consideration for watching this game this week. Yeah. So let's so get on to the next? team. Let's get on to the yeah. team themselves. Of course, this is a Scott Frost team. He, uh, you know, made his mark at University of Central Florida, um, leading them to, was it two undefeated seasons? And, you know, talk about getting into the playoff. Uh, they were kept out, which frankly, uh, well, they're you know, I think a national, is a shame. They, they won a national title. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. They did. Good point. <laughs> they had a national <laughs> title parade and everything. They celebrated yeah. it. And uh, they, they, they they demanded it. I mean, I'm not... I mean look, it, it it's hard to know how they would have fared against, who was it, that year, Alabama or whatever. But they were a darn good team. And I think it was a shame that they got locked out of that uh, that playoff that year. I'm still Especially gonna... since Penn State was locked out as well. <laughs> yeah, okay. If we're going to go there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of talking. I was going to talk playoff stuff, but uh, let's, let's move, let's move <laughs> forward. Move on. Let's move on. Move so, so anyway, so Scott Frost, he's not as of yet had the same success at Nebraska. Um, and um, Not by a long shot. Not by any stretch of the imagination. He's, he's, he's the golden boy that's returned home. And if you don't know, he won a Heisman with them. Uh, I believe he won a national title with him too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. as their quarterback. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he was a stud for them. He was he was a do everything quarterback. He was, I mean, when I was growing up, the Nebraska quarterbacks were just otherworldly r- runners, and and they didn't throw it a ton, but that when they did throw it, they they'd kill you, you know. Yeah, it was like Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow, you know. Yeah, um, and so the. Th- one of the things that's like sort of the crux of the Scott Frost uh, offense, um, which he was known for the, his offense at UCF, uh, is the quarterback. And if you remember, they had a, a dynamo at quarterback at UCF until he got his leg destroyed at um, his his second season. Um, he, he I can't remember what happened to him exactly, but um, oh, up I until watched it. I watched I watched that it play was, as well. It was atrocious. It, it was just like one of those things where you you know that. You know, he might never walk again is how bad that. He ended up playing again. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, But anyway, 
Um, yeah, the quarterback is essential. I mean, it always is. But like having a dynamic quarterback is is key for Scott Frost's offense, and they do not seem to have found that dynamo at I mean, Nebraska they, yet. They've been running Adrian Martinez for a couple seasons now. Yeah, Martinez was they were very highly touted and hyped up. I remember watching his first game uh, as oh, the, yeah, as a starter last year, and uh, you know they did a big profile on him and how he's the next great quarterback and everything like that. Hasn't shown a, a up in that way at Nebraska yet. No, he's not. By the way, his first game was not last year. By the way, wasn't it? Um, no, no. His this is his third season now. Oh, is it really? Okay. I'm, yeah, yeah. No, his, his first been season around that his, long. His first season, he showed a ton of promise. I mean, he came out the gate um, as a, as a true freshman, completing sixty four point six percent of his passes, threw for twenty six hundred yards, seventeen touchdowns, eight interceptions. You know that. That's, that's like stats. you know th- those are those are basically. <laughs> Similar to Kerry Collins' stats, the year that he we went undefeated. Yeah, so half decent. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah. Anyway, so the point is, you know, second season regressed, went down to fifty nine point four percent completion percentage, nineteen hundred and fifty yards, ten TDs, nine interceptions. And this season, it's it's just he's down to fifty seven percent completion percentage. He you know, for for an average of five point five yards per. Per throw, yeah. So he's and not lighting anything up, really. No, but he is able. He is, th- uh, excuse me, running the ball is what he's doing. Uh-huh. Um, and running, and their quarterbacks are running a lot because uh, in the in the last game against Northwestern that they lost, um, Luke McCaffrey, uh, their their backup, who is the brother of Christian and, and the son to Ed McCaffrey, the famous Denver wide uh, wide receiver that won a Super Bowl for the Broncos. With John Elway, um, he this Luke McCaffrey kid came in, and he's not faring any better in the passing game. But they're both running the ball a lot. In fact, so between the two of them, they've only complete or they've only thrown for 378 yards through two games. Zero passing. Wait, that's through two games. Through two games, they've only played. Yikes! Two. That's yeah, not three, great. <laughs> two quarterbacks combined through two games, 378 passing yards, no touchdowns. But they have run the ball. Uh, Nebraska, between their running backs and their quarterbacks, they're running the ball pretty well. But they're not—they're not getting their running backs as involved as much as the quarterbacks are running the ball. So it sounds like another team that I know. It's—it's uh, um, it's not coming yeah. to mind. Who, which team would that be? They—they—they <laughs> they, they wear blue and they wear white. Yes, and they have brothers <laughs> that talk about they, them. They have, <laughs> So yeah, I mean they they haven't really found their running back, their running game with a running back yet. So they've just been relying on their quarterbacks, and 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 their quarterbacks are basically getting uh, like seven yards per rush. I think Adrian Martinez is getting about seven point two with a long of thirty nine, and and um, McCaffrey is averaging about seven point six, and he's had a long of forty seven. Outside of those those long runs for those quarterbacks, those are the longest like plays for Nebraska. So those are the only explosive plays that are happening for Nebraska are the, are the running games from the quarterback. Yeah. So, I mean, while that says, okay, good that you're, you're, you have that athleticism 
in quarterback. On the other hand, it doesn't speak very well of the rest of your offense, which again, Penn State understands that because that, there are a lot of similar themes there in terms of not getting the running back going and, and not having a really p- prolific passing game and you know relying perhaps overly much on the on the QB run game. So, I mean, their their passing is a tr- is atrocious. They're they 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 don't have their their best wide receiver has has caught 10 I think 10 catches for 81 yards all season. Wow. And again, it's yeah. only two games, but you know, Jahan's had a couple games where he's he's been over that total in that game. I mean, our our freshman Parker Washington, didn't you just say he had 80 80 yards in the last game against Maryland? So, yeah. so you know, that's our number 2 wide receiver um and their number 1 hasn't even done that over two games. So, yeah, that's not that's not great. Now, no, it's not good. Now, Wandale Robinson, their their leading wide receiver, he is, however, a bit of an X factor. And I know, um, looking through some of um, you know the press coming out of Nebraska, they really want to get him the ball, um, and that that sounds like it's going to be a priority for them uh, this game. Find a way to get yeah, th- Wandale Robinson like- uh, the uh, the ball when when. Nebraska He's, has it. What, what Wandell Robinson is, is basically a combination of KJ Hamler and Parker Washington. Like, you know, Not, Parker Washington. What do you mean by that? Like, well, so KJ Hamler was like the human joystick, and Parker Washington is like this little, like, muscle bowling ball type you know, wide receiver. And Wandell Robinson's kind of like, he's, he's the, the Mr. Do it all for Nebraska. Cause he's, he, he ran the ball last year for them. He, he was like, he has like, I think he had 88 rushing yards last, I'm sorry, 88 rushes for like almost 400 yards, maybe more, or, or maybe it was like, maybe it was just shy of 400 yards, but he basically, uh, he, they, sh- they, they had him shed the running back um, duties this year. So he could focus on, his wide receiver responsibilities because they know that that's where he can do the most damage. Um, I think in high school, this kid had like over 8,000 yards from scrimmage. He is a do it all. He'll, he'll return punts. He'll return kicks. Uh, and even if he hasn't done that this year, like that's the type of player he is. And that's the type of player he uh, can be. He can, he can have a, it's like a lightning bolt of, um, you know, production for them. And he, he was the, I think it was the, the number six um, wide receiving re- wide receiver c- recruit coming out of Kentucky um, two two years ago. So he has the ability, and and people think pretty highly of him. I mean, he had Alabama offers, he had Ohio State offers, he had Michigan and Minnesota offers. This kid had the ability to to be getting um, scholarships at some of these big time universities, and he decided to go to Nebraska. Because you know they thought he could make a difference, and he thought he could make a difference there, and and they just we haven't seen it this this year yet. So I, their their goal is to get him the ball in unique ways and as often as possible. And with our defense, you know, being susceptible to big plays like we saw against in um, Maryland, their 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 freshman I forget what is the freshman wide receiver that had those two long receiving touchdowns right, for uh, us. I forget what his I, name is. I, I'm happy to forget his name, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we, we should be on the lookout for for passes like that to this kid. Um, even though their passing game is apparently, 
you know, well, and they were talking about like jet sweeps, type of, jet sweeps and yeah. stuff like that too. Yeah. So just just watch watch out. Um, uh, he, he wears jersey number one, so watch out for when number one gets the ball. Um, he wears number one Dale. Yeah, one <laughs> for one. Dale. So yeah, look for look for number one when uh, Nebraska has the ball. Keep an eye on him, and and you know, we'll look for our guys to rally to the ball um, and make sure he doesn't. Uh, you know, doesn't uh, find a crease or or um, break contain because uh, we'll we'll need to we'll need to keep him from hurting us for sure. Yeah. Um, so um, let's talk about um, a, a little bit about Nebraska's scheme uh, on on offense. You know, what are they going to be throwing at us? Um, how are they trying to uh, you know attack uh, and score? Well, so we talked a little bit about what, what what's going on with some of their players to, to keep an eye on. Um, and what they do is they run they're an RPO heavy team. Um, they they're they're gonna they're gonna run more than they pass. Um, they're, they're like they're on the fringe of like being that triple option team, you know what I mean in terms of just like what they want to do. They, I mean they're not running the triple option, they're running the RPO. But the, the the breakdown of how many runs and versus how many you know passes they will attempt, they they're a running team. They want to be a running team, and they want to set the pass up with the run. You know that that play action RPO pass. They want to catch you sleeping and creeping into the box. That's what they that's what they want to do. At least with that's what Scott Frost has been trying to do with Nebraska, and and it ultimately hasn't been there. But then they're gonna their their bread and butter would be like um, quick slants or. Um, you know, just uh, having a, having a, a wide receiver run a, a straight, you know, to the end zone and get 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 behind everybody and just you know you chuck it deep because you have nine ten guys in the box. Yeah, they and got one on one. Get on people outside. sucked into the yeah. to the um, to the run play. And again, yeah. our you know we'll talk about keys to the game uh, in just a moment. But you know that that those are things that we have shown ourselves susceptible to. So uh, yeah, we'll want to watch out for that for sure. But really, it's it's all it's all on the quarterback. We're 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 seeing a team. We're we're gonna be playing a team that's been pretty inept this year so far. Who's just searching for any spark whatsoever, and they're gonna go to their bread and butter, which is running the quarterback. So we're gonna be we're gonna see a a, a heavy dose of that. It's just a matter of which quarterback we're gonna see. I think what I'm hearing out of Nebraska's, um, you know, kind of meet local media uh, people. Is that they're they're thinking that McCaffrey's going to get the start, but it's not it's not a it's not in stone yet. So um, I don't think there's been an announcement, and it might there might not be until game time. We might not find out till game time, and the quarterbacks themselves might be just duking it out in practice. So it, which to our disadvantage as a, a scheming for either of them, um, we got to prepare for both, which is a, an interesting angle. Well, you know, again, um, we'll talk about. You know Penn State's uh, keys, but um, in some ways it sounds like both of them are having similar problems, and that they're, they're they're not getting the passing game going, and they and they can hurt you in the run. Um, you know, so you know if they're going to break those patterns, I'm not sure Penn State will necessarily be able to prepare for either of them uh, to do that. Um, I think if they stick with those patterns, the good news is that Penn State's been pretty decent against the run this year. Um, you know, although. The one really good running quarterback that we faced uh, in Justin Fields didn't really attempt to run, so it'll be interesting to see how we handle, you know, uh, 
an offense that's deliberately trying to run the QB. So, yeah, you know, um, so Nebraska just for for whatever it's worth, by the way, um, they haven't. <laughs> none of their quarterbacks have have completed a, a passing play over twenty eight yards. So. If we and see not them a passing s- touchdown yet either, is that right? no, no passing touchdown. So if we <laughs> give that kind of a thing up to this team, we'll never hear the end of it. We'll <laughs> never hear. We'll, I mean, it'll just it's going to look so bad. <laughs> well, oh, you know, on the other side of the ball, Nebraska has you know similar to Penn State having the tradition of li- linebacker you, and that like people across college football uh, sort of affirm that mantle of Penn State being linebacker you even years that maybe we haven't had the best linebacking crew uh, Nebraska's defense has a reputation they're known as the black shirts and um, how are the black shirts doing this year Tom and and what do we expect to see from them do you think I mean they haven't done a they, they, they <laughs> they're giving up 36 points a game or is that? Oh wait, hold on. I might be thinking of our defense actually. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not right. I mean, no, they gave so, up. They gave up fifty-two to Ohio State, and then twenty-one in a losing effort against Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, they they they're not getting it done. That's that's for sure. And I don't think that they've been getting it done. You're losing. You're losing team. They're, they're, you're gonna. It's probably because the other offense scored more points than you. You know, and and Nebraska has been searching for that. Um, they've been, they've been searching for that, uh, you know, that quintessential black shirt defense that we have grown accustomed to back when players like Ndamukong Sue was wreaking havoc all over the big 12 in 2009. I mean, they, they're, they're not, they're, they're accustomed to having Chuck, Chuck Bednarik and Bronco Nagurski awards, Outland trophies, Labardi awards, like all these things are usually come, you know, you, you expect to at least hear a Nebraska's. Uh, Nebraska players name over the course of a, of like three five years you like oh Nebraska's got another stud you know wreaking havoc in um on other teams offenses and for the last decade essentially yeah I haven't really heard I, much I, about it you know it seems like guys like JJ Watt or TJ Watt would have would have been like a Nebraska you know player but you know they're not playing for Nebraska these days yeah. they're playing for for other teams you know Ohio State primarily it seems like well um, the guys you just mentioned uh the watt the watts uh weren't they wisconsin boys probably just gonna say they uh, who, were was the, who was the ohio state guy last year that everyone loved uh, oh you're thinking of chase chase young yeah chase young um so you're thinking of the other brothers the bosa brothers that's who i'm thinking the bosa right. brothers went to ohio state that's who the, i'm thinking they, the uh the watt brothers went to <laughs> went wisconsin. up there to, to wisconsin yeah um so you know, for Nebraska's defense against Northwestern, uh, they gave up 148 yards rushing, 169 yards passing. So, I mean, that that's not terrible. Of course, I don't – I mean, Northwestern's had, had a decent season this year, but they're not known for their offense. Um, it was a little more gaudy uh, against Ohio State. Um, they gave up. 215 yards rushing and 276 yards passing. But then, then again, that's against Ohio State. So, you know, what What does this really say about the capabilities of this year's Nebraska's defense and how they're going to be able to handle this? I'm not sure it's easy to say, but it, I, I do agree there are no top-tier defense these days. That may not be helpful for Penn State, though, considering we had a hard time getting going against Maryland last week. 
Yeah, we're at this weird crossroad here with with a with a team like Nebraska that it's like who wants it more, you know, with two winless teams? But Nebraska's been like they've been underperforming for how many years now? Like how, how long has it been since they've It's been, been a while. Good. We're Penn State's been like three it's three games. Yeah, this is an so anomaly like, for Penn State in yeah, terms of so, the last, you know, 4 years or so. So who has the deeper sense of like, um, you know, I, I don't like where I am. Like, which, like, and it's not, it's, it, it, like, you have the coaches that feel that way, and then you have the players that feel that way. And it's like, do the Nebraska players, are they just used to losing so much that, that, like, it's almost just whatever to them? Or, or are they like, okay, screw this new season. We're 0 2. You know, we got winless Penn State coming to our house, first home game. We're going to stick it to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which or, team? Which team's going to have the, uh, you know, the better mentality going in? Which team says uh, it's one to zero? It's a new season starting today. We're undefeated. Let's go in and play football like we know how to play football. I think that I think that's going to have a big factor. And of course, as we talked about um, for our post game of Maryland, um, the heart that this team finding its heart uh, for Penn State is a huge, huge factor. And um, if they can come together, obviously they've got the talent, you know, and if if Nebraska kind of keeps skidding along, it'll be a good opportunity for Penn State to take the initiative and, and play some good football. But, you know, Nebraska's in that same position. They, they get to decide, do they want the season that they hope to have? And uh, can they catch Penn State uh, still trying to fumble and get it around? It, you know, it could go the other way. And, and um, so if Penn State can find uh, their heart, you know, um, do a little scarecrow action and, and, and find their heart. Uh, what are going to be the keys uh, tactically, strategically in terms of how the game plays out? That's what we're going to talk about next. Um, and I think similar for Nebraska, uh, for Penn State, probably the very first key is going to be to, to turn around our running game. Yeah, um, and and get yeah. our running backs going, and and um and start to control the line of scrimmage and get the ground game chugging along, not uh, not relying on um, Clifford to 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 make the the bulk of the rushing happen. Yeah, we saw um because true freshman uh, number twenty six Saquon Barkley's old number, we saw him come into the game uh, against uh, Maryland, and he showed a couple of flashy little plays. Uh, you know, he didn't get. He didn't get the lion's share of the carries or anything like that. But I don't is, – is any one running back, like, setting themselves apart from the rest of the bunch yet? I haven't I, seen we're it. Not, haven't we're not seen seeing it. it yet. So, it's in my opinion, um, it's really anybody's opportunity to, to, uh, to show that they can – find the creases, find the holes, break a tackle, get to the second level, because we really desperately need to get the running game going. Yeah, Franklin... To, to um, allevi- alleviate some of the, the pressure on Clifford. Yes, Franklin. absolutely. And Franklin did address this on Tuesday uh, at his press conference, and he indicated um, exactly what you're saying, Tom, that um, you know some of this is on the O-line. They've got to do a better job of... of, of creating the crease for the back to run through. Some of it's on the back um, that maybe the crease has been there, but the back hasn't been there at the right time to take advantage of it. Or they've skirted through it and then have just gone down at the first tackle and they need to start to break a tackle. Um, so so it's not perhaps 
as dire as it seems on the stat sheet, there there may be some places where they're close to make, getting it going. They just haven't gotten the chemistry down. Um, the other thing he said that was interesting, again, uh, you know, to me, uh, to hear the coach's perspective is that he, he talked about there being a, a reciprocal relationship between the running back making plays and the offensive line uh holding their blocks and, and making good blocks. And effectively what he said is, look, if the if the offensive line can make a crease and the back will make a play, the, the fact that the back got good yards is going to motivate the offensive line to play harder. And the fact that the offensive line is playing harder is going to cause more opportunities for the backs to go. And so there's sort of this you know, um, ripple effect, a domino effect when things start to get going. And the question is, what's it going to take to – you know, go from, you know, where they've been right now, which is sort of seems to be like just nothing's nothing's really working very well to, to having that explosive running game that we've been used to for the last couple of years and that we were quite frankly looking forward to. Well, we're also Brown looking forward Kane. to seeing some innovation in the play calling too. And it, and it, that's part of the frustration, at least from a fan, you know, yeah, optic, is we're not seeing a ton of creativity with the run game, and, and it's kind of been that way for a couple of years anyways. It's almost like we're seeing the ghost of Ricky Ronnie calling some run plays. <laughs> it kind of is, you know? Yeah, I if mean... We had never, if we had never lost Ricky Ronnie, we would kind of think that Ricky Ronnie was still calling plays. Well, look, with nothing working right now, it's really hard to evaluate what Sharaka's uh, offense it, is right. really intended you're, to you're do. Definitely. I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the um, doubt right now because no unit on the entire team is performing well. Yeah, and like we've so, been talking about a lot this week, thinking there's back, a lot of symbiotic relationships within football and how yes. everything works together. As Franklin like the said, defense is it's the ultimate the is, team sport, right? Ultimate team if sport. The, if the defense is on the field for too long because the offense can't stay on the field, yeah, the defense is going to get mauled because they're exhausted. You know, it's just. There, there's you can put you can't put blame on any one person really. You can definitely discuss all the deficiencies all you want, but I, I, I personally believe that if you if you get the run game going, and even if you are using Clifford, I guess you know t- t- desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> I get it, but you got to have a consistent a consistent running game where you can ch- like churn out two to three, four, five yards per, per play. Well, and, look, and, we, and move we've it, move got it. to get the running backs involved in a b- much bigger way. And just case in point, to put an exclamation point on it, 64 passing plays against yeah. Maryland. 64. Yep. Now, now some of those were sacks, obviously. Yeah, he, well, he only, he even only so, threw the ball 57 times. Even so, Clifford, that was the most pass attempts ever by a Penn State yeah. quarterback. Yeah, against Maryland. And mm-hmm. and then you add to that how many of those rushes were his? I mean, that's just really putting an undue burden on on Clifford to to make the offense go. Something's yeah. got to change. Those running backs have got to to get going. The the offensive line has got to come together to to you know, to create the right crease. If we can see that, it, you know, it might start to you know, that might be the the snowball that starts rolling down the hill and helping the offense pick up some steam. 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, we got to get the running backs more involved in the running game. But I also feel like we have to get the running backs more involved in the passing game, too, and not necessarily the screen passing game, which... Yeah, get some downfield passes, put them in the slot or the wheel route or something like that. Get them against the linebacker out in space somewhere so they can make a move. Because our guys are, they're shifty, you know, they can... Well, I do wonder how much fast. I do wonder how much of this offense has been simplified because of some of the changes. It looks very simple. Um, You know, and one of the one of the challenges that 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 I think also needs to be addressed this week at the quarterback position is that that Clifford's decisiveness. Just we did we've talked about this a little bit already um, earlier in the week and and previous weeks, but you know he's just got to make quicker decisions. Um, he's got to make better decisions. and that, Which, by the way, is exactly what Nebraska needs from their uh, quarterback. <laughs> there are well. some interesting parallels between these two teams right now, actually. It's it's interesting. Yeah. And, and we're either going to see a really ugly game because <laughs> neither team is going to figure it out, or we're going to see uh, you know, a really positive game from, from one of these teams. I think Penn State's going to score points in this game. I, I, I think really it tells me so. that they are. They, I, and, I, I mean, I, I think we'll score in the high 20s, low 30s. Did I see I, I something we'll, like... Like our offense outgained Maryland's offense last game again. Like that happened against Indiana that. as well. <laughs> I, 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 you'll have to check that. Well, I knew it happened against Indiana because we had the ball for forty freaking minutes. I, I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna see how I pull that up right now. But I think I read that somewhere that that's what um, that that's what had happened. And um, you know, it just goes to show you it's some of the problems with our offense in general. But some of the problem is actually. Our offense's failure to score, even when we're moving the ball. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the, the we we have had some red zone issues in the past as well. So those that, that's rearing its head here this year, for sure. Among all the other problems that are staring us directly into our eyeballs on every play is what it seems. But you know, I mean, it goes without saying. But you know, Clifford's got to have a much better game this week um, in his decision-making, and I would say his accuracy as well. You know, he had far too many passes that were either uncatchable or barely catchable, um, and, and so he just he just needs to do a, a better job this week if we're going to have a chance. Yeah, um, uh, so. that, that, that definitely goes without saying. We and I, I, I hate I, – I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad that – you know, he had some some really big aspirations and expectations of himself this season. I, mean, I think I even remember when LSU won their national championship, he looked at what LSU did and what Joe Burrow did within that offense and on that team, and he was like, I want me a piece of it, something like that. And, like, he thought that he might have the opportunity to, you know, and – it's certainly not materialized that way, but you know he can he can be one and zero this week, hopefully, and 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 get better. All he's got to do is just get better this week. He doesn't have to go perform like a Joe Burrow in the national title game. He all he's got to do is focus on Nebraska, focus on completing passes, focus on you know go, reading the defense properly, not going not going to the line and already deciding if he's going to keep the ball or hand the ball off, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I think, you know, both of those um, factors, getting the running game going and Clifford doing a better job with decision making will really aid in 
Um, number one, um, you know, having the offense feel like it's functioning well and getting some rhythm. And number two, actually scoring points. So I did get a chance to look it up. And Penn State did, in fact, outgain Maryland last week. Maryland had something like 405 yards. Um, I, I'm doing this math quick, so it might, might not be quite accurate. But uh, Penn State um, had, you know, almost 400 and like 434 yards. So, you know, they account outgain Maryland by about 30 yards or so. Um, yeah, that's unacceptable. <laughs> but, but we, we, you know, didn't come anywhere close to them in scoring. Um, so, you know, really, really um, just a shame. That's at least two games, um, the Indiana game and the Maryland game where, the offense is moving the ball, although even if it doesn't look pretty, <laughs> but but because we're not scoring points, um, because we're not finishing drives, that's that's you know causing wanna, us to lose games that we should have won, should be I able to win. To relate relate some some circumstances that, that between Sean Clifford, uh, this team, um, and some pre- previous players and teams, um, you know, in 1992 and 1993. Were those years were Kerry Collins' first years, really getting a chance to be Penn State's quarterback, and in '92 and '93 he was not a good quarterback. He was completing you know less than fifty percent of his passes for those two seasons. And, and yeah, and anyone who remembers his his great uh, 1994 season or his you know journeyman uh, career in the NFL where he you know had career uh, he's on career lists um, for you know passing and touchdowns. Uh, you would not remember probably how bad those early seasons were for Kerry Collins. He was bad. He they was were not, putrid. He was, <laughs> no offense he, to Kerry. He was completing less than 50% of his passes. And it, it just, he was barely completing uh, a, a, more touchdowns than interceptions. So no one saw his 94 season coming, really. You know, and I'm not saying that necessarily, you know, Clifford's going to measure up to that. But, you know, this whole like you know Franklin leading with love, you know if you if you crush a dude for for not playing well enough when you didn't necessarily need to, maybe you stifle his ability to flourish down the road. Um, so maybe that's where Franklin's head is at in, in that respect. And when it comes to the coaches, and when it comes to um, you know Kirk Sharaka, you know through four, I'm probably repeating myself, and I'll do it again. Because through four games under Joe Moorhead, you know, we still we hadn't seen it click yet. We hadn't seen it click through four games of Joe Moorhead's offense in 2016. So yeah, we only seen we only seen pretty upset about you know, especially that Michigan game when we got literally, you know, we were embarrassed. It was was Franklin's third season, and and you know, we were two and two. Well, the Michigan game, we weren't two and two yet. We were we were. I think uh, two what, and one or one, one and two. one at that one point? and one one and one yeah, yeah that's right, and we were one and one and it was just like what are we doing here it was just it was it was putrid as well it was and an we embarrassment were, we, it was, we were it was we hard were to be a Penn State fan that day certainly was and and you know we weren't we weren't given Franklin and the coaches a lot of leeway at all and you know if if we had known during that Michigan game that we were going to rattle off the season we were going to have, would we have, would the fans have been so hard on Franklin and been so hard on Joe Moorhead and been so hard on, hard on the Penn state administration about fire Franklin? Like, I doubt it. I doubt they'd be like, ah, we just got to get through this crappy game. Cause then the good stuff's about to come. Like, 
And no one can predict the future. Yeah, we're not saying that this is going to be a mirror of that season. It's just, again, context, remembering the history, you know, that things being the way they are now doesn't automatically mean that pattern's going to continue into the future. And, you know, again, these guys are good football coaches. They they they, they know what they're doing. They see they everything. Live it, they live and breathe it every they single day. They see everything we see and more, and they understand it at a much deeper level. And so, again, you, you kind of got to put your trust in your guys. And I think that's what Franklin's trying to do with Clifford. And boy, wouldn't it be nice if something clicked for him you know, yeah. at some it's point this season. It's just got to happen one time. It's just got to happen where he puts you get it the ball together. rolling. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. So, so we'll move on to the next key because yeah. I went off on a tangent with Clifford pretty pretty far. But. No, I think it's uh, it's helpful. I, I, I like you bringing up that that uh, example of Kerry Collins because he was always one of my favorite players just, just because of what he did and, and the career he had in the NFL. We haven't had too many great NFL quarterbacks at, at Penn State. So, you know, always look liked watching his career. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, but let's let's talk about some defensive keys. Um, and I think the first one, you, you know, Nebraska already does not have a great passing game. And it would be really great if our defensive secondary wasn't the one, one against <laughs> which their quarterbacks figured it out. We it's need... pretty sad that we are thinking about it because you know what we're thinking. We're thinking that it's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, really, it was only a handful of plays against Maryland, you know, but those, you know, three passing touchdowns were egregious breakdowns in the secondary. And um, it really, really hurt us, um, you know, and and. Other than that, they, other than that, they played a the secondary played a half decent game. It's not like they're awful all the time. It's that the one or two breakdowns they have really, really hurt us, and we need to avoid having that kind of breakdown this game. I mean, you can't ask your struggling offense to come, you know, to 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 you know, if your defense allows you know another touchdown, opening drive touchdown. Another touchdown after that, you're down 14 points. You can't keep asking your struggling offense to keep you in games when the defense is just giving it up every time. I mean, two so, of these games this year, we've been down two touchdowns, uh, 14 we've given nothing. Up, yeah, and we've given up um, double-digit uh, double digit points in all of our in two quarters in um in every game. Well, it, that gets to, I think the 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 fourth key to the game for me, which is just the overall defensive performance. Yeah, you know, the secondary's got to avoid giving up the big pass plays and 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 big breakdowns, um giving up the long run like they did against Ohio State. Uh but overall, the defense uh the defense as a whole, the defense, the defense, <laughs> the defense attorney, <laughs> <laughs> the the defense has got to be um much tighter uh and consistent uh, and communicative. I mean, so like you said, um, we were, you know, when you had first said it by memory and then looked it up, I was kind of astonished that... Um, oh, I was right. It was 36. We're giving up 36.3 points a game. Yeah. We're, for ni- 96th in the country. That's Good for 96. Terrible. We haven't been in that kind of territory in, in sev- many years now. Like, our defense has always been stout yeah. enough to keep us in games. And right now, they are doing the exact opposite of what we're accustomed to. So this is totally, like, new territory for Penn State defense. Yeah, and a big part of um, th- those thirty six point three points a game is is double digit quarters where we've given up, you know, two scores in a quarter or more, and yeah. and 
in each game this year, we've given up two double-digit quarters. Yeah. And again, <laughs> against, uh, um, you know, when you have a struggling offense like we have to get, to put our offense in a an hole, avalanche of- an avalanche of points at a chunk, you know, um, it, it's just not going to do it. It's demoralizing because your offense is like, man, how are we going to come back from this? So we you keep the game close. Keep the, yes. like Joe Puck could keep games within like a score or two, and and you know with good defense. Now look, hopefully, as our offense figures things out, we'll have a lot better opportunity to take control of the game from the offensive side. But right now, until we do, the defense is going to be critical in not giving the game away. And Which means the D line so is going to need D-line to get put pressure. Has got to got to keep. I mean, they've been playing good in the run game. They have, but I think get pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, I think our, our linebackers Turnovers. have got to be in position to make the tackle. Um, you know, to keep us in the game, uh, we got to avoid giving up an opening drive uh, touchdown. And um, yeah, again, we got to get some turnovers. And I think there have been a couple We're instances losing the turnover in the sure. last few games where, um, you know, ball has been in and out of the hands of a Penn State defender and it's been a pass breakup, but it could have been an interception. Yeah. So, you know, all of those things, um, you know, we, we lost Micah Parsons. I get it. But like, was he that good that, you know, <laughs> without you him, we're now, make- we're, we're now giving up 36 points of games. I mean, is, is he that good a player that, that our, I mean, our defense we is that bad without him? <laughs> We thought we thought there was a chance our defense would actually get better this year. It certainly you know, has, not, has not gotten better at this point. Um, I, it, it's a it's a fair question, and you could probably have a make a pretty good uh, argument that Micah was that good. I mean, he was the kind of player that would rove. I mean, back is he twenty forth. points a game? Good. Mm. I mean, isn't that what we are? weren't we in the teens last year? Listen. I'm not saying he's scoring points. No, I but just mean in terms of tackling people. <laughs> in terms of keeping 20 points off the board. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we don't have Jan Johnson calling the defense back there. We don't have Micah Parsons. They were they, they that was a good linebacking core. Like they were they were good, and and it it he was the key cog in that defense. He was he was the ultimate eraser, the ultimate do do everything man. He could cover running backs out of the. Um, backfield, he could make you know go toe to toe with t- tight ends, and you could even catch him in the in the slot covering a, a wide receiver. He would do those things. He was Mister Fix It. He was again the ultimate eraser. He would make tackles, break up plays, cause fumbles, and then he would get after the quarterback. You know, so yeah, he might be twenty points good. Might be, it's possible. Just saying. <laughs> Well, uh, it certainly surprises me and makes me all the more um, upset that he's not playing for us. I mean, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, understand the the factors for this year, but but yeah, no, that's I'm a not, bummer. I'm not calling him out or anything. No, no, but just making the you know what I, I you know regardless, he is gone and somebody got to step up. Um, ideally, the defensive unit as a whole, they've got to figure it out and play solid, uh, complementary defensive football and and keep that score close and give our offense a chance to um to figure it out um is until they do uh, a lot of this is going to have to be carried by the defense i think they can do i think they have a better job of of doing that 
um, going into the game than than the offense does. But but again, we'll see it, um, what happens this game and which unit kind of puts it together. And if both of them do, you know, maybe we'll see the Penn State team that we thought we'd see. Andy, it has been a rainy, bleak day. It after sure a has. Couple of, after a couple of stretches of just unbelievable fall weather, and and I'm just going to ask you, do you, with this mucky, rainy day, do you have it in you to pull yourself out of the muck and give me a game prediction? <laughs> oh, prediction? my gosh, yeah. <laughs> this, like doldrum of a, you know, holy cow. You got to do it. I'm going to make you. Uh, um. And I don't even want to. <laughs> well, look, uh, Nebraska has not been a point scoring machine at this point. So, but we've been giving it up. Yes, that's true. Nebraska has scored 15 points a game so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they've allowed. 36.5 points per game this season, whereas we've allowed 36.3. Mm-hmm. Um, we've scored 26.3 points per game this season. So, you know, I think the I think the matchup favors Penn State, even with with the team struggling like it is. We're a th- according to some people, we're a three point favorite right now. I mean, and, and my my gut tells me we should mop the floor with these dudes. Um, but you know, that's, that's on paper, that's on paper without all this, you know, extracurricular stuff going on that it's causing, I mean, I agree with you. I think think we should have, I think we should have us, you know, all things being equal, we should be able to have a very, very solid performance. I think if it's a low scoring game, I mean, excuse me, I think if it's a, a narrow margin game, I think it'll be a low scoring game. I think it'll be something ugly, like nine to 12 or something like that. Six to four. Oh gosh. I sure hope not. Uh. (laughs) 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 The Um, worst game ever. We don't even got to bring it up. If you're listening to this, you already know. Oh my gosh. Um, Um, So, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say like, you know, 10, 10 to 7 or, or or 13 to 14 or something There's gross no way. like that. There is no way. There's no way. Dude, There's we gonna... scored – like just think about the, the point total we had last week. It was 19. That's not even a football score. 19. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, don't get me started on the two-point conversion. So don't get me started. It's just, you know, if, if it's a low – if it's a tight, if we go for it on fourth oh down on our opening drive for a third <laughs> week in a row, we're gonna lose. I bet Fra- we're gonna lose. How much you want to bet Franklin's gonna do it till he gets it? Um. Well, uh... he's he's gonna make a point on this one, and same thing with the two point conversions. <laughs> I, I don't want to play that. Game. No. Um, okay. So you, you're I'm saying stalling. ten to seven. I'm stalling. You no, are stalling. No, it's terrible. I'm saying I'm saying if if it's a narrow point spread. It's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. I I don't foresee that happening. I think Penn State scores. I think they score pretty well, and I think their defense hold. I don't think we're going to see the avalanche that we want to see. I'm going like twenty-seven to thirteen. I'll take that because um, you know I'm not a betting man, Andy. Uh, Me but, either. You know, uh, <laughs> but. I would 
Man, I would pay a lot of money to watch us not lose this game. <laughs> Is that how gambling works? Would you, you know, would you send a little wire some money to Scott Frost to get yourself a, a guaranteed win? I am a reverse booster, <laughs> so I think I think the I think we're gonna win twenty seven. Nice. Is that what you said? That's what I said. <laughs> Oh dang! I gotta go. I gotta go away from that. No, I, I, I'll go. I'll go thirty. I'll go thirty-one. Okay, I'll take thirty-one. I'll go thirty-one. Thirty-one to twenty-one. Okay, so I think like the the gut feeling is that oh I didn't say offense who, is going to figure out how to score, and we're gonna we're gonna keep Nebraska well, off I mean, of the board. They figured out how to score against Indiana enough. Yeah, we did. We did. So they know how to. It's not like they're not capable. Yeah, it's, it's just, just mistakes. Shooting ourselves in the foot too many Making times. Making mistakes. Just too many. And Clifford just not playing sound collected football. Like, d- like you, dude, you can't make the mistakes. I mean, if he can just avoid those. Camel's back. If he can just avoid those turnovers. That's what I'm saying. You know, we got to win the turnover battle here. We got to, yeah. we got to win the turnover battle. That's the key to the game. So that's, to me, that's, that, that is to me, the key, a key to the game is winning the turnover battle. Ooh, a late and, key and, to the and, game. And, Way to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, so getting the running game going and, and winning the turnover battle, this is going to be crucial. All right. So there you have it. Um, we're calling a Penn State win. Uh, maybe not. Again. Uh, may, yeah. Uh, it's Groundhog Day again. <laughs> um, you know, we're, 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 we believe in this team. Uh, you know, we're, it's not going to be a runaway, but we think it'll be decisive. Um, you know, what do you think, guys? Um, you can let us know. Um, send us an email at blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And speaking of, I, I do want to acknowledge that um, a couple weeks ago, uh, we did get uh, our first fan email. Uh, to Sorry to, we didn't check I, it in time. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't acknowledge. <laughs> this was before the Ohio State game. And uh, Scott from Colorado sent us an email. Um, he said, uh, hey, Tom and Andy, love your podcast. Hope you guys can keep it going. Um, he had some uh, thoughts on on the Ohio State game, which he was calling for the, uh, the uh, upset. The upset um, did come to – to fruition, but um, he said, you know, he said he's saying positive uh, this this week. Um, crazy stuff happens in college football. He he shared some recollections of the '86 national championship game and how no one picked us to win. Um, he says uh, he feels that uh, one of the unproven players will step up with a big play uh, to seal the deal. Again, that was for Ohio State. Um, didn't quite happen that way. But um, Scott, um, we hope that uh, that prediction comes true uh, for Nebraska this week. Uh, we thank you for sending us that email. Um, and anyone else out there that wants to engage with us, let us know. We'd be happy to, uh, to share our thoughts um, after, after we get your email on air. And um, again, appreciate all of you uh, for sticking with us. Um, it's been a tough season and, and um, good one, though, for Tom and I to, uh, to sort of cut our teeth on uh, the podcasting world. So we appreciate your list. You're, you're listening, uh, over a thousand downloads. So that's a great milestone for us. Um, last thing, just again, happy veterans day to all you veterans out there. Thank you for your service. Uh, Tom, I love you, bro. I love you too, dude. And by the way, you said we're looking to engage with our, um, you know, our audience. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> Anytime I hear the word engage, what do you think I think of? 
Sean Connery? No. No. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that's close. That's pretty close, though. It's not just really, a little though. Bit off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do I think of? Uh, Captain Picard. Captain Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> of the USS Enterprise. Make it so. Um, we are we're fortunate enough to be raised in a Star Trek house. Um, our dad's not a full-blown Trekkie in the sense that he goes to Comic-Con. He's or half-blown. Tre- yeah, he's half-blown. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, whatever. That made me think of it. And I, I want to at least end this on a positive note. And I'm positive I, I, I heard you say engage like you were, Star Tre- uh, you were in Star Trek. Yeah, well, so. um, yeah. <clears throat> Thank, thanks, bro, for that little uh, <laughs> laugh. Um, and yeah. uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? If there's one thing, it's that we are... Penn State. Yeah, we'll see you this weekend, guys. <laughs> hope you hope we have an enjoyable game and and uh, catch us early next week for our next podcast with the Blue and White Brothers. Peace. <laughs>「